Hello and welcome to the Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we are in part two of Stanley's letters, dearest ones, that he wrote from A-72 north of Paris in April of 1945. The end of the war in Europe is close, and he's feeling optimistic and, of course, asking for more letters every day. And he writes to his parents on April 12th, 1945. Dearest ones, unfortunately, there was no mail tonight, but last night I was rewarded with one of your sweet letters. It is the one you wrote on Easter Sunday. You sounded so lonesome. I just wish you didn't have to be alone so often. Don't weaken now. The dark and bitter is almost behind us, and only bright and glorious days lie ahead. We've so much to be thankful for, dears. Our armies are forging ahead steadily, and the enemy is practically ours. So let's show our thanks with chins high and bright smiles. And before you realize it, all the boys will be returning to a life of peace and happiness that was theirs before all this mess began. I didn't mean to start preaching. You'll have to forgive me. Only I hate to think of you as being unhappy. You should be just the opposite now that all the news is good. I know you don't mean to complain, and I readily understand how you feel. But it's almost over, thank God. I didn't get to visit Bill as I had written. Last Saturday, our squadron bombardier went to the Riviera, and as the next ranking man, I had to take over his job. My official title is acting squadron bombardier, and I've definitely been taking a terrific razzing from the fellows. As you could have guessed, I've become known for my laziness. You see, I haven't changed in that respect. Well, instead of sleeping all day, as I have been doing since taking over the position, I've had to be at squadron operations every day from eight to five. So the guys have taken great pleasure in seeing me rise at such an early hour. Believe me, it's been murder to go without my late morning sleep. I don't have much to do at operations, only I have to be there in case something comes up to require my attention. Too bad it isn't permanent, though, because it calls for a captaincy, and Captain Bars would look well on my blouse. Tomorrow morning I am flying back to Koblenz. The group is in the process of forming an officer's club, so a plane is going after Champagne. Since we brought back a load when we had to land there before, and since I know where to get it, they are sending me after it. We'll just be gone for the day since our dance is tomorrow night, but I'll get to see Elaine again. What a life. I know Rose and Frank really appreciate your having them over for meals so often. I could go for some of Ida's home cooking myself. All I think about is a Sunday breakfast with the whole family around the table. That's why I hope to get home on a Saturday night, so my first meal will be Sunday breakfast. 
Gee, what a heartwarming thought that is. Please, God, let it be soon. I was shocked to learn of Helen Phillips's engagement to Jimmy Levy. I always thought of her being such a baby. He is quite a bit older, isn't he? Be sure to write me all the details. I'm curious. At the rate everyone is marrying, I'll have to find myself a 14-year-old and wait until she grows up. I must close for now and say good night. Please keep well. I love you and miss you. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you. Stan. Our hero, the Silver King, continues an admirable role of really encouraging his parents to think positively. The war in Europe is looking good, and he wants them to be satisfied that he will be home safe and perhaps soon. It's not an easy task for a young man who's not quite 22 to admonish and admire his parents at the same time. And he writes to them on April 14th, 1945. Dearest ones, I haven't heard from you in two days, but I still have two letters to answer. Thus, I haven't been very good about writing regularly. Must be the warm weather making me lazy. Your last letters were dated March 31 and April 3. Tomorrow I hope to receive the missing ones. That's my advantage over you. Mail is delivered here on Sunday. I went to Koblenz as I wrote you, but didn't accomplish our purpose. We weren't able to secure transportation to haul the stuff. Nonetheless, I saw Elaine, and that was good enough for me. You have no idea what a treat it is to talk with and enjoy the company of an American girl. I only wish we were situated in such a position that we could see each other often. It surely would help to liven things up. We had our dance the other night, and it turned out to be much nicer than the previous one. Everyone had a swell time. There were the usual drunks, but the majority were just feeling good. I had a little French girl who wasn't too bad to look at and a very good dancer. Needless to say, the shock we all received from the death of President Roosevelt. God knows the United States couldn't have been dealt a greater blow during this crisis, the time when the nation needs his guidance most of all. In my opinion, he was the greatest man that ever lived, and his death touched me deeply, as I am sure it did all. May God help us now. I haven't much confidence in the present leader. I'm finding it difficult to write tonight. It must be because I'm tired. All day down at the operations seems to be wearing me out. I'm not used to holding an office job. I'll try to do better in my next letter. Please keep well. I'm fine in thinking of you constantly. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you. Stan. Our hero, the Silver King, is reflecting on the leadership and the loss of FDR. And he imagines that the world must go on. He's perhaps a little hopeful in the next round of American leadership. And of course, there's the connection of 
Glenn Martin, the man who made the B-26, and FDR. And in real life, our hero may not have known much about that, but in his fictional life, he spent quite a bit of time with Glenn Martin. Stanley writes to his family on April 16th, 1945. Dearest ones, this was a swell day for I received five wonderful letters from you. One is dated March 25th and the others are in rotation, four, five, six, and seven of April. I feel sort of guilty with so many at one time because in a couple of them you complained of not hearing from me. It's true, I haven't written often of late, and I am sorry. Please believe me, it hasn't been because I haven't thought of you, for you are in my mind constantly. I guess the real reason is that I've become awfully lazy. Now that summer is here and the days are so long, I can't seem to get myself away from daydreaming. I've found that to be a most pleasant pastime. Two, my job has kept me busy all day, and at night I seem to be too tired to write a sensible letter. However, the real squadron bombardier is back now, so I'll have more time to myself. Thus, I promise to write as regularly as before. I'm so very proud of you for having soldiers over for Seder dinner. Take it from me. It's the kind of gesture a guy appreciates ever so much while so far from home. How I wish I could sit down with all of you at the table. Maybe soon. That was an interesting clipping about the night boys. How I envy them. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be home again. You asked why I have to fly 65 missions while others fly less. Well, it's different because of the different types of planes. The heavies, such as a B-17, fly 35, while the mediums, as a B-26, fly 65. When I get home, I'll be able to explain more fully. In the meantime, don't let your optimism run away from you. I'm not anywhere near finishing my tour. In fact, only if the war ended now would I be home anytime soon. So just be patient for a while longer. As for asking for a furlough, I had to smile after you suggested that. You must remember that there is a fight to be won over here, and so it isn't quite as easy as that. To be truthful, it's absolutely out of the question. You evidently misunderstood Mr. Knight. You see, a man automatically goes home after finishing a tour without asking. That's why his son is home. 35 missions is considered a tour in the heavies. I hope this is all clear to you. At this point, I'm going to ask you to do something for me something which is undoubtedly you will answer with a definite and precise no. Nonetheless, though, knowing this, I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to tell you, and I won't accept no for an answer. When my next allotment check arrives, instead of depositing it to my account, you're to cash it for your own use. 
I want you to divide the 150 between you to go out and get all dressed up. Then, when you're all dressed up, you're to have your pictures taken to send to me. If you love me, you'll do as I say. If you want to make me angry, you won't. And you do love me, don't you? And don't want to make me angry, do you? Please, dears, let me feel for once that I'm doing something for you. Mother, I know there is a dress or suit in some store that you've been admiring, and I'm sure you've seen the exact accessories to go with it. And, Dad, the same goes for you. I know you haven't seen any of the new suits in stock, but so much the better. You can go up and pick out the one you like best, and I'm sure it will be the best. Then, when you've succeeded in doing this, I want you to have pictures taken. You know, I haven't one single picture of you, and it's high time I do. So don't let me receive a letter from you saying that you refuse. Well, I'm just about out of stationery again, so please send me another box with food. The shrimp and chicken sound delicious. I haven't received the boxes you mentioned, nor the one with all the cheese, but I am looking forward to them all. You seem to be the only one writing me. I haven't heard from anyone else in a long time. That's why I appreciate the news from Leona and her family. I'm glad they are all well. When do you plan to go up again? Too bad we all can't be there for her birthday. There doesn't seem to be any more news for now. I'm fine in thinking of you constantly. Please keep well. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you. Stan. This four-page letter, written patiently and precisely by Stanley, is an explanation, particularly for his mother, about the requirements of officers in the Air Corps. And depending on the planes they're in, deliberating over the number of missions to complete their tours is something that our hero has gotten very good at. He's, of course, anxious to get home as well, but in the interim, he's trying to keep his folks happy and asking them to spend a little bit of his money on themselves. And he's a generous spirit, as we know, and a remarkable writer for a man who's about to be 22. As we reach the end of part two of the Silver King's letters, Dearest Ones, in April of 1945 from A72. And you are listening to The Silver King's War. <laughs> 